0: Yo, what's going on, guys? Uh, hey, hey. This episode, we had uh, a local educator on. This guy is a uh, master of his craft, dude. I, I had no idea when he came on. Um, he's He's been in the education system for over 20 years. Right. Uh, he's a board member in another district, very educated in uh, what's going on at the union. And um, I learned a lot. I learned and, a lot Some and interesting
1: uh, stories. Most people probably don't know about. Yeah.
0: So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please. Uh, thanks for tuning in once again. Oh, I haven't said it, but our podcast, it has a Twitter and a uh, Facebook. I haven't said that, but if you listen to us, hey, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. At where? Uh, uh, on, on Facebook, we're Temecula Parents because they make us use a name. Point blank truth didn't work mm. on uh Twitter point blank point period blank period truth period um and then i think derek's gonna run our our instagram we talked about briefly but but yeah guys enjoy uh steve uh he had a lot of information for you hope you enjoy it thanks for tuning in all right bye here we go what's going on guys sitting here with derek and across from us steve steve is uh a teacher In our district.
1: The man. and The
0: the legend. Well, I'll I'll let him talk and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, Okay. So um, I'll go back a little bit further because I think a lot of people um, put me in a box that I I, I don't belong in. Um, So I'm a first generation Mexican. Uh, My parents, I'm I'm the youngest of eight. Uh, Dad was, you know, mom and dad were immigrants from Mexico. Uh, Five of my brothers and sisters were born in Mexico. Three of us were born here. I was the first one to go to college and graduate. Uh, I was a very bad uh, middle school and high school student wasn't very good Um, I was an athlete I was a pretty good athlete so that kind of is what led me down um, the path of education and because of my baseball experience and the great coaches I had my my goal and dream was to be the teacher that in my opinion I felt I never had and also to try to motivate kids to go to higher ed and and to chase the dream that they love for me it was baseball if it wasn't for baseball uh, I wouldn't have gone to class I went to class to be eligible to play baseball. Um, it worked. I didn't do the grade. I didn't do my homework like I should have. Um, so I ended up going <laughs> tisk, to a junior tisk. college, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then from there uh, with my coaches, they kind of encouraged us to go out and get degrees and to become coaches and to go out there and kind of just be a part of the system. And so that that's what my motivation was. And so uh, when that happened, um, you know, I did. I was playing baseball. I uh, went to Pepperdine, blew my arm out. Uh, And then from there, I realized, okay, I want to get into education, be a coach. What position? uh, What position? I was a
0: pitcher. Oh, you were a pitcher. I was a pitcher.
2: And then um, after that, you know, I realized, hey, you know what? I can go out and get a master's. I realized how education worked. And basically, the more education you have, the more money you make. So I went out and got my master's um, while I was getting my credential. Um, And then pretty much, you know, got my first job. Uh, Actually, I got my first job. I, I went to a baseball high school baseball game where my buddy's nephew was playing in my neighbor and uh, one of the coaches there from Ven- oh so i went to venice high school uh so one of the coaches at venice high school he we kind of you know started talking he was my coach when i was at venice and so he asked what i was doing i said i just finished school you know i'm looking for a job uh so he said hey i've got a pe position here in hawthorne you know come on down i'll get you an interview i said sure i just thought i was going to go talk to the to the teacher or to the principal her name was sharon phillips and so next thing i know i go and she's offering me a job and i'm like whoa Damn. That was quick, <laughs> and so it was a middle school PE job in Hawthorne. Uh, I stayed there five years, um, on and off. I, I went to Vegas, came back, uh, and then from uh, Hawthorne I went to Marino Valley. Was there two and a half years, and then from there went to uh, Temecula, and I've been in Temecula I think 17 or 18 years. So 20, I think I'm starting my 27th year in education, wow. all in middle school. Uh, most of it middle school straight PE, but I did teach some of the, um, I did teach social studies at one point, some math. Uh, for EL students. Um, and that's kind of where I, I realized the TCI curriculum because we were when we first adopted it in Temecula, I was teaching sixth grade social studies. And so that kind of introduced me to the, the curriculum at that point.
1: Can you imagine the goal of these people, actually when you think about it, even questioning Steve, he's been working as a teacher for almost thirty years in <laughs> Venice, Hawthorne, and Temecula. None of us know anything really truly about what's going on in the school. And then for these people like question you, I didn't know you had been a teacher for thirty years. Yeah. For all I knew, like you're like yeah, maybe he's been a PE teacher. I just knew you're PE teacher, but I didn't know yeah. your like background of like
2: yeah, and dude, and so, that's nuts. And so interestingly enough, um, I've always felt that the day. Uh, in education, sometimes you come across people who don't really like kids. It's kind of odd, um, but yeah, you just I've heard have, that you have people who just really don't like kids. Uh, but it's a secure job, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, some teachers can teach to the board. I had a lot of those teachers in high school. They taught to the board, and they didn't care if you learned anything. Whatever.
0: Do you yeah. think that that's a something that that they go into that field already with, or do you think that's something that maybe is just developed over time? Like they just get worn out and they they do that. I I think it's a little bit of both of that. Uh, I think originally you go into
2: it and you have an idea of what you're doing and then you realize what you're doing in the system. And so I know for me, I loved my experience in Hawthorne. It was some of the, probably some of the greatest times I've had teaching. Uh, As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I got back together with some of the guys and this, you know, these are people that I haven't worked with in almost 25 years, but we got together because we had such a good bond in time while i was in hawthorne um that we still get together we try to get together at least once a year hang out uh and do that and so when i went to vegas i had a good experience in hawthorne i hated my experience in, in vegas i was at ko knitsa middle school it was just it, it was out of control discipline everything was out of control the kids were out of control oh yeah kids uh i mean so in Hawthorne. Um, you know, we, we rarely, at least I do, uh, a lot of teachers rarely send kids up to the office. You know, yeah. to me, I try to work it out, give the kid opportunities, talk to them, do this, that, and the other, call home, do whatever. And then finally, if I have to send them up, it's like, you know, you're now a disruption to what I'm trying to do and for the rest of these kids. So I've got to remove you, send you up to the office. So there was like a standard back then. And I go to Vegas, and this kid one time cussed me out. You know, so I said, okay, whatever. And you know, it's not like I hadn't been cussed out before. Right. But usually in Hawthorne, you get cussed out. You call campus uh, supervisors. They come and get and remove them from the class, and they don't come back. And in middle school, obviously, it's an hour class. So in Vegas, I get cussed out. I go over, you know, call campus security, say, hey, yeah, supervisors, come and get them. Uh, They come get them. They remove them, and, like, 10 minutes later, the gal walks in. And I look, and I'm, like, shocked. Like, why are they back in my class? So they, you know, she walks through the door. The whole class looks at me like, whoa, you know, I look at her i look at the class they look at me and i'm and i'm like stunned and so it's like okay well you know what are you gonna do so you kind of move on then later on um i go and ask the administration i'm like hey that was kind of odd that you guys sent her back and they basically said well did you go through progressive discipline did you call home did you do this i said um i was going to but usually if someone cusses you out that's <laughs> She's in like the middle of you know you send them out and to not disrupt the rest of the class they're like, oh, well, no, well, we, we follow progressive discipline. And because you hadn't done these other things, we felt it was appropriate to center back. I said, OK, you know, I kind of understood where I was at. I lasted about three months there. And I was like, this is not for me. You know, Six. I just I didn't know, enjoy my job. So I always told myself, if I don't like teaching. I'm out because yeah. the last thing I want to be is miserable, you know, and then because if I'm miserable, the kids are going to have a miserable. For experience. sure. For sure. So to me, it was like, OK, I'm out.
1: So this crap has been creeping into the schools for a while. Oh, this yeah. whole progressive discipline. Yeah. Like, so when was that though? What year that in Vegas? It was ninety.
2: No. Holy shit.
0: Ninety-nine. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. No. Ninety-nine, two thousand, around that time. So, all right. So you you end up coming back to Temecula after that. Yeah. So huh. you've
1: been at this. So you've been at Margarita Middle School for seventeen. Mar- 17?
0: No, Margarita was there about seven or eight years. So overall. What's your stance on everything that's going on out here right like with like your extensive educational history right this is a career that you've chosen you've been in multiple places in California and one place in Nevada so like looking at everything that's going on what what's your position on it all just generally speaking.
1: Or how much has it changed in the last three years, I wonder?
2: That's, that's the
1: biggest difference.
2: Uh, I mean, obviously, kids have changed um, yeah. with technology and all that other right. stuff. Um, you know, the things that they have access to these days with their cell phones is a lot different than when I first started. Um, but, you know, to me, I, I, there's a lot going on. And I think there's a lot that people don't see Um, behind the scenes, you know, I was heavily involved with, with the union for, you know, at least 12 years. Um, And I can kind of, you know, I have a, a story about Jody and kind of how I got involved in the union and what was going on and how that kind of led me to where I'm at. And so the interesting thing is, you know, prior to, I would say my first four or five years, uh, at Margarita, I wasn't involved in any kind of union stuff. I was just coaching baseball, having a good time. Um, didn't get involved in any any of the politics, nothing. Um, We started to have some issues at Margarita Middle School. And I decided, hey, you know what? I could be a union rep because I have a good relationship with our principal. And, you know, uh, I have a good relationship with the staff. I'll go ahead and be a union rep, me and my buddy Ray. And so we got into it and we became union reps. And the moment that happened, it was like, we got dragged through the mud. I gotta
1: say, that's when my life changed. <laughs> I was like, "Why'd you go? You had this going so well, dog." 2015, yeah. I know 16, you had to, baseball you? coach <laughs> just going to his job, stayed away. For what yeah. you think. it must have been pretty bad <laughs> to be like, "I'm gonna ruin my fucking life and go." You know, <laughs> I mean, I have it good and all, but it, it's just too easy. It's so, too boring. Well, you know
2: what the the, the good thing was, um, the good thing was that you know I felt there was injustices going on. And that's why I don't believe in social justice. I just believe in injustice. Uh, You know what I mean? There's either there's just there's justice or there's injustice. And so there was injustice going on. I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to get involved. And and after like I had been dragged through the mud and retaliated against, I just felt like you know what? I don't want anybody else to get treated like that.
1: Hey, is that a quick story? And are you able to talk about real quick? Yeah. What was the injustice that got you to get involved? Because you're teaching EL, you said with that mm-hmm. English language. What is that? The English language. English language development. So you saw something, obviously, that must have really kind of ticked you off enough to choose to like take a stand. Well,
2: well, okay. So, so there was several things going on. Um, what they started to do. And what year was this? Oh gosh. Um, anywhere between eight, nine, and ten uh-huh. is when it started. And so, what what we saw happening was my buddy uh was in charge of el uh eld in at margarita middle school and so he needed someone to help him teach math right and because i'm bilingual you know i i said yeah you know what i'll do it and so we were we were doing really well we were probably one of the highest scoring uh, actually the whole valley was doing really well um in in the el department we were hitting scores that just were have have never been hit in general just throughout middle school and uh, what we started to see is when we became successful they started to pull back funds and pull back funding. And so we were like, hey, wait a minute, like, you know, we're rocking and rolling. Like, why are we getting services cut? So we started to figure out how money was spent. And so we realized that through school site council, there was a pot of money there um, that goes to uh, special education, um, kind of like the, the special populations, the ELD. And mm-hmm. so we started to see that there was money there. So we decided, hey, let's, uh, Let's join school site council and kind of you know take control of that money because now if if we it, it, so here's the interesting thing about school site council. It's the only place where um, your administrator oversees it, but they're peers. So everywhere else they're your boss. Okay. Within school site council, they're a peer, and so we realized that and recognized that and started to kind of dig into kind of how money was being spent and we were seeing how money was being spent and it was being spent uh, in a way that we didn't think was fair, right, or legal. And so, funny story, one of our first meetings of the year, we were presented with the budget for the year, right? So they'd tell us how much money we have. And I'm not a business guy, but I did know that when you see a number with parentheses, it means that's money spent. And I don't remember (laughs) remember the numbers, it was like 75,000. It right. was so it was like okay like you know we had I think seventy five thousand but there was a parenthesis and it was like twenty one thousand. You're like right? correct
0: me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that negative mean uh, spent? We are six hundred thousand in
2: debt, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, how is twenty one thousand already spent if we haven't had one meeting? We're the governing body that spends that money.
1: As the new president walks in in a gold chain, like a new diamond <laughs> ring, you're like, well, whoa, so, whoa, what's going see, on here, See, bud?
2: The, the good thing was that our chair was my buddy. So so then it was kind of like so he kind of controlled the meeting and he kind of knew what was going on. And and so we kind of knew, you know, how things worked. And so so that led to inquiry, you know, and then, you know, we were told, oh, no, that's not, you know, your money and this, that and the other. And so so and then I I started to ask questions like, okay well, tell me who's in charge of that and who can tell me where that money is, because that's kind of weird. And so we did and we started to go up the chain and and that kind of started to ruffle feathers because we were asking questions about money. Um, long story short, Hunter Biden had it. <laughs> he he might've back then.
1: He only had 2%. Yeah. Or Randy Weigartner, so, the big
2: guy. <laughs> so throughout that process, um, you know, in, in, in me and in us inquiring about stuff. So let me just tell you kind of what went down with, um, our crew. So we had, uh, like I said, we probably had the best EL department, um, Middle school wide, you know, in Temecula, we had the best middle school EL program in all of uh, Riverside County. Um, But because we started to create uh, some noise and we started to say, hey, things were wrong. So we all started to get retaliated against in our own way. And so, you know, everybody was they, they were changing people's assignment. There was at Bella Vista. Check this out at Bella Vista. Sherry Stewart at the time was the principal there. She had, um, we had a guy named Chris Hunter and he, he was teaching EL and he comes. So we were a group and we were all kind of standing up. And so he comes back from Christmas break and they tell him, Hey, you're no longer teaching EL. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, you're no longer teaching. So she basically wiped out the EL program. Like it was gone. There was no more program. And so it was kind of like, Whoa, that was, drastic." what, what,
0: what, and for those that don't know, what's EL English learners. Okay. So he was
2: teaching, you know, uh, people who have English as a second language, how to teach, how yeah, to learn yeah. English. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Got it. And so, um, that was like one so thing. Wipe that like, out
1: Whoa. all the way. Wipe program. So I what I, assume. what I
2: had done, um, in an email, it was kind of a, I said, Hey, by the way, you know, just kind of, uh, um, you know, I sent all the middle school principals an email and I just said, Hey, I kind of wanted to know how you guys are spending some money, um, you know, through school site council and this, that, and the other, uh, within the EL program. And she admitted in the email that she hadn't um, had any kind of like school site counsel and basically took the money and spent it however she wanted. <laughs> and so I was like, nice. thanks for that information. You know what I mean? Because it was just an inquiry. And I was asking different middle school principals what they I bet doing you didn't
1: like. expect that answer, huh? No, I didn't. And it
2: was like, I was like, whoa. And it was put in an email form. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> whoa. You know? Thanks for your honesty, um, I guess. <laughs> so then what ended up happening was um, one day I was just, and so- during this time, there's like all kinds of ups and downs like there, you have good days and you have bad days. And so, you know, you would get depressed because you're like, man, we're not heading in the right direction. You know, is it all worth it? And, right. You know, there, there's I'm gaining nothing. Right. Um, and not that I'm supposed to, but it was kind of like we're doing all this for kids and for parents because we had a great group of parents. And so one day I look at um, a newspaper and the ACLU is suing school districts up and down the state. Because there's all kinds of problems within the EL programs and, and money.
0: And explain what, what they said, ALCU, no, ACLU. 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 Yeah. What is that?
2: Um, great group, oh, great group.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and, 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 and no, fun, back in the day it, it was, it, right? It, it, American yeah, okay, Civil okay. Liberties Union. Got it, got it, got yeah. it.
0: Okay. But very left-leaning. Okay, um, okay. So you're su- 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 saying that they- there's a bunch of uh, left-leaning lawyers that are suing school districts <laughs> up and down the state? You don't say. State? Yeah. Or the- for,
2: for EL issues. And so I see the, the, the article back in, in the, the, the times. Oh yeah. This is back in the day. So then, then I go, Hey, maybe I'll reach out to them. You know what I mean? So I give them a call and I say, Hey, you know, you, you fill out a form or whatever. And I kind of explain what was going on. And so they're like, Hey, we want to know what's going on. You know, yeah. you've got some interesting stuff going on down there. So eventually they get involved office of civil rights gets involved. Um, you know, at, at that point we hadn't uh, done our EL our English learner plan and I don't know how many years and so and I started to read through it um, because within our EL group I was kind of like the researcher because I was the PE guy so I didn't have to correct papers and do all that other stuff so I started to look through all the stuff and the 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 documents that we had kind of like our our, um, superintendent thing that they just you know everybody's like ah you know it's like it hasn't been touched in you know 20-something years you know or, or more than that and so same thing I looked at the EL plan I'm like hey they're not following this plan like they have this plan and they say this is the plan, but they're not following it. Yeah, but it's on
1: paper, right? So they always do that. Like, and, and hey, it's no on paper, and see, but that's no one the one doing
2: thing it. that I, I learned that you know most people don't read stuff. So yeah. I started to read it and I started to educate myself on it. Um, started to see what was going on. Now, right around that time, we were transitioning from Title One funding, which had all kinds of strings attached, and that's a whole separate uh, issue. So we were moving into LCAP, and so this was an interesting move. So what's LCAP? Um, local Control Accountability Plan. So, basically, what they were doing is the state the state would give money to school districts based on um, you know uh, socioeconomic um, right. foster youth, d- different categories of money, and they were kind of pots of money, and they were attached based on the special population. And so then, what they decided to do is to give you more local control. instead of having all these strings attached, they said, "Hey, we're going to create um, a local control model where based on your demographics, we're going to give you extra money." You know so that you can bridge those learning gaps and so it's kind of like all right cool you know local control on top of that that you still get title one money if you had students that, that are categorized under title one and so um, when when that plan came out um, here's what they did and this was this was a crazy move and I remember uh, speaking publicly out at a school board meeting uh, because what they did is they told all the EL teachers you know and most of them were you know taking a stand and what they told them was hey you're gonna you're gonna have to reapply for these positions they're gonna be called English language special English language arts specialists or something like that EL specialist and uh, so you're not guaranteed the job but you can apply for it because you have experience within ELD and so they said okay what a
1: stupid thing to do
2: well so 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 then I kind of saw the writing on the wall I saw that we had just made a stink they're recreating these positions now now granted (laughs) at the time we had um one of our our ELD teachers he had uh he was the only bilingual one he had a B-clad um so we have clads but he had at the bilingual clad and I don't remember what the the acronym was for but um he had that and he was the only bilingual one right and so he didn't get hired actually no there was two of them there's two of them that were bilingual uh, he didn't get hired um, so then, I, I saw the writing on the wall. So at a board meeting, I said, "Look, with this new LCAP plan and this new job description for ELA, what what the district is going to do is they're not going to hire any of them back because they stood up." Yeah. And so, guess what? Guess what they did? They didn't, they didn't
1: hire anybody they back. They didn't
2: hire any of them back. And and you got to remember, this was a team and a crew that had the best scores in Riverside County for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least yeah, at that point it was almost a decade. I mean, they were rocking and rolling. And so that to me was like devastating. It was kind of like, whoa. Um, One of them actually fought back and actually got the position um, through kind of a threat and this, that, and the other. And and it was legitimate. Um, And so kind of then the program kind of took off a different way. And that's what kind of got me into this whole thing. So, funny story. Um, At the time, I had a principal who she ended up you know suing the district and this and the other we were having all kinds of issues at margarita and kind of with that whole um el thing and so but there was other things going on there was more than just the el thing there were other issues um so one day um and at that point i started to meet all the directors and everybody because i was you know like a troublemaker or something and so i i, I remember i get called into jody mcclay's office and at that point i'd never met her um one-on-one and had a thing and so we have a conversation about my principal and, and, and I, I let it slip. I said, Hey, I don't respect her, but I understand she's my boss. So I'll do my job that I'm supposed to do. I work great with the staff and I work great with the kids, you know, but it's hard for me to have respect for her because she breaks the contract. She does all kinds of things. And so she told me, she said, well, you might need a change. She told me three different times. She said, you might need to change in it. And I said, no, I'm good. You know, like I said, you know, I work well at the staff, blah, blah, blah. And she said again, well, hey, maybe a new environment. And I'm like, oh, no. So so she tells me the third time. Right. And so I'm like, OK, whatever. You know, so I leave the meeting. No big deal. Uh-huh. You know, we because I was explaining to her, you know, she wanted to know what the problems were at the site and this, that and the other. And so whatever I said, OK, you know, that that's what it is. So then next thing you know, two weeks later, I get a letter you know, given to me by my principal and I open it up and it says that I'm being transferred to Vale Ranch middle school. Oh wow. And I was kind of like, yeah. And that's exactly, I was like, well, that's interesting. Now at the time they said it was, you know, low enrollment. So three of us got moved. Um, you know, at the time people thought I was the problem or the biggest problem at that site, um, with the administrator. Well, lo and behold, I leave and she has problems with other staff after I leave. And eventually she does some pretty egregious stuff that um, through public records request, they basically find, And this is all a court case. So if you yeah. ever to look at, you know, Hayes, Karen Hayes versus TV it's all there because I was one of the people involved in the case. I was, you know, deposed and all that other stuff. And so it's all there. And so eventually they dug up a lot of uh, damaging information and they removed her from the classroom. Now, mind you, I was gone. So she had gotten into it with other people um, and uh, she was demoted down to a teacher. And so Great. that's kind of, well, yeah. I mean, no one ever gets fired. Just in case you guys notice, no one ever gets fired in the administration. <laughs> get yeah, get trans- demoted, it's kind of crazy, though, trans- to get like yeah. in trouble and be like,
1: get demoted. Go, go be a teacher, you scumbag. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that there was a whole, there was a, uh, let, let's put it this you way. You see our problem here, folks? <laughs> hey, hey
2: l- let me tell you this. This <laughs> is the funny part. Um, so we were. When she became a teacher, so as an administrator, she had us doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We had homework hotlines. We had to do all this different stuff. Right? Homework hotlines. Yeah, it, it, she it, should it, be fired just for that. And so, so, go ahead go, uh, ahead, go ahead. And so, what ended up happening was, when she became a teacher, guess what? none of the things that she imposed on us it, she didn't want did. she
0: followed of course not a piece of her she just wanted to have her thumb on us keep yeah. us so yeah. busy but oh. now she she implemented and isn't that Pure funny evil. that's how it works right it's mm-hmm. like rules for you but none for me right that's that's that famous saying that you hear a lot so yep. okay so so there is basically what i'm hearing and i don't want to put words in your mouth mm-hmm. but what i'm understanding is that there is this like war behind the scenes that keeps probably a lot of teachers silent because they don't want to deal with this BS.
2: Yeah. So I'll give you a couple. Um, and these things are totally legal. Um, but what, what administrators do to retaliate against teachers is they can move their classrooms. Cause that's a pain. They'll move your classrooms. They'll change your assignments. They'll, they'll give you something that you don't necessarily like or something that you're not necessarily good at. Um, and, you know, the, the problem that I have with that is in order for you or them to get back at me, they're ruining it for the students. In other mm-hmm. words, they're going to make me teach something that they know I'm not going to like or I'm going to struggle and it's not going to be good for students. So they're not thinking about the students well-being. Now, let, now, let me preface this by saying that not all administrators do that. And I would say the majority don't. But there are a few and there's always a few. Correct. Right. Um, that try to make life miserable for certain people. And so, and and it's a really weird thing because, um, and I've known different administrators in different school districts. And one of the things that they always kind of say is like, you know, don't, don't be friends or don't have a good relationship with your staff. Like you want to have a relationship, but you always want to let them know, Hey, we're boss and this, that and the other. And it, 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 it's not necessarily ideal. So one of the reasons why I loved Hawthorne was because our administrators they understood, like, when the district was asking them, because, um, you know, when they have principal meetings, the directors or whoever, they tell the principals or the superintendent tells them, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we want you to cover, da, da da And in Hawthorne, we had administrators that said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to ask our teachers to do that. They're working extremely hard. Um, you know, the path that we're going, we're getting the success that we want, and I'm not going to impose something else, put something else on their plate Uh, Because then that'll damage morale and it's just gonna it's something that I don't see
0: that's you know, it's, it's pointless So is there anything when we hear about parental complaints currently the people who are For the three board members that are currently they're trying to get recalled those parents who have these concerns about like Sexualizing our kids and things like that. We hear that that's not happening in the school. Is there any material or content that you've seen recently that you think is in line with what these parents are concerned about and, and, and justifies their feelings on things. Um, yes. And,
2: and I'll give you an experience of something that just came up at one of our, our leadership meetings, but in middle school. So we had a, a recent one. So in middle school you have, um, sex ed is taught in eighth grade. And so, um, in eighth grade, uh, so, When I used to teach science, the way it worked was uh, they brought in a specialist. Uh, I think her name was Kay Reed. She came in and she taught sexual education or sex ed to my eighth graders, right? In science, it goes through science. And so I was removed from the class for two weeks and we were told, hey, you cannot talk to your students about anything about what they're learning in sex ed. And I was kind of like, cool. Cause I don't want it. It's even better. You know what I mean? Yeah. One <laughs> less thing, you know, I For can real? plan ahead, you know, Sweet. Oh, <laughs> and talking can. to him about
1: sex ed. Oh no. And For so I I don't want it.
2: You know, I was like, Hey, great. And, and so one of the things that I did, uh, I did know though, that they taught from an abstinence perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so, and that obviously I think is, is a positive one. But recently at a leadership meeting, we had a teacher who kind of brought up that it was kind of mild, you know, that there needed to be a little bit more in it. Um, a little bit more graphic in terms of, you know, anatomical parts and and all this other stuff. And so that's kind of where this battle rages. It's like, you know, how much do we really want in there? You know what I mean? Especially in eighth grade, Um, you know, boys, boys in, in middle school, they're all about sports and doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, girls are, they're doing all their different things. So sometimes that topic is, it can be a little, advanced and you know there's uh, I'd I'd like to think that in in many of our areas there's a lot of innocence that's out there Mm -hmm. Um, and and I can tell you this from experience when my daughter so she went to private school up until high school private Christian school at that Um, and so when she went into high school I knew that they were going to cover sex ed right and so I opted out and I said I'm not going to do it now she kind of felt weird at the time because it was like she was the only one that (laughs) Had opted out. Um, but later on, you know, when she started to talk to her friends about what they covered, she was kind of like, you know, like, whoa, like, you know, I'm glad I didn't have to experience all that because, you know, just her hearing it from her friends was like enough. And, yeah. and, and I, and I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, you can call me a prude, but, you know, that kind of stuff, mom handled most of it. Um, I have a son and two daughters. So mom kind of handled most of that stuff. And, you know, I, I've always talked to them just about the importance of the bonds of family, mm-hmm. you know, um, that someday they're going to they're, they're going to be husbands, they're going to be wives and what their roles are at that. You know, that yeah. we all play a role. Kids play a role, um, you know, and in our family. You know, we did made great sacrifices for our kids. Um, and so I didn't want that information to come from the public school system. So I opted her out of that, um, which and,
0: I, I which I believe. I think that that's. Just like there are people who would listen to this and say, like, oh, I would want my kid to learn all that stuff. I think that that's their right, just like it's your right. Right. Like, I don't want my daughters in middle school right now. I would prefer that that topic and that conversation, if you're going to go in-depth with it, that should happen with me and my wife. Now, that's our belief, right? Right. So, like, I I, – sorry, I cut you off. It frustrates me because it seems like – it seems like there is this push to paint us because we look at it that way as like bigoted and hateful and evil. And, and, and like that's my big frustration is like I think that we should be given the option and there should be transparency with that. So part
2: of that decision for me and our family was I knew in eighth grade what they were kind of talking about. They were preaching abstinence. Um, she went to a Marietta school and I didn't know what was being taught over there. Right. So I wasn't going to roll the dice and gamble on that. So, you know, we took it upon ourselves to say, Hey, no, that's not something you're going to do, but you, you mentioned something. And, and so that's kind of some of the madness that I hear at board meetings. So one day, um, there was a, a speaker, his name's uh, Chris bout and he was up there talking about, you know, the things, you know, his views and his, it's public comments. You can say whatever he wants. And so he mentions that he has kids, you know, within the school district and I hear one of the one of the kids that's um, um, like an activist kid that goes to the board meetings regularly. Um, and when he mentions that his, you know, he has two sons, one's in middle school and one's in elementary, this guy yells out, oh, your son's a bigot. And I, I turned around and I looked at him like, dude, like you don't even know his son. Yeah. And, and, and first of all, his son was in my class. So like when he said that, I was like, wait a minute, like you're casting this net on this young middle school boy that you have no idea you yeah. don't even know the kid right. and you're you're labeling him a bigot right you know like what's up with that and i was kind of you know i don't get like in anybody's face but i turned around and i kind of just let him know like hey i know his boy his boy's not a bigot mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and that's because i know the experience i know the boy but they can launch those grenades at people and they want to say that we're you know filled with hate and all this other stuff and like you know so me going back to kind of who I am and I never I didn't mention this before but I am a person of faith right so what keeps spinning around in my mind is I've taught my kids you're fearfully and wonderfully made like you know the, the worst decision they could ever make in life is to take their own life like there's there's nothing that's final you know what I mean they might dabble into drugs or do this you know join gangs or do whatever do different things that that are are harmful but it's not final and so for for kids today, and and that's you know when I kept hearing all the kids talking about you know the 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 trans activists that were there and talking about the suicide, I kept thinking, who's planting that seed? Mm-hmm. You know they want to say that it's us showing hate towards them, but you know there's no hate in my in my heart for them because I look at them as hey they're precious they're fearfully and wonderfully made. I always try to say that at at the school. You do, you meetings, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that means that they're made by a creator. And and most people won't understand this. Um the creator who made them loves them more than their parents. That's an outside of the box thinking. So I know that that my creator created me, created my children. And my job is to point them in direction back to their creator. And so he loves them greater than I'll ever love them. You know, I believe that he's Jesus Christ. He sacrificed his life so that someday they can dwell and live with him forever. And so that's something that like to me is real. So every time I look at a kid, I look at them as God's creation, that they're special. They're unique. Um, Now, they might drive you crazy. You might not agree with, you know, some of the decisions they make, the things that they say. But nonetheless, I don't have hate towards them. Right. No matter what they are, because I understand, you know, if, if you think about it from a perspective of, they can be royalty. Like they are They are children of the king. Mm-hmm. It completely changes your perspective on every individual that you have in that classroom. Right. So it's very hard then to hate somebody for a decision that they're making that you may not agree with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because
1: the left's mindset must be kind of crazy to think that. Like, I don't think that way, right? I would never think that anybody's being hateful, hateful and trying to push a transgender or gay person into suicide. What normal person in their right mind would ever even think about doing that? But the left actually thinks that we're doing that. Like, if we find out our kid is gay or transgender, that we're going to literally kick him out homeless and I hope you kill yourself. Yeah. And to me, I'm yeah. like, that thought doesn't even cross my I, mind. Like, I, just, I don't think people, like, anybody would be like that. But yet, that's the way they think, which actually says yeah. something about their worldview, which makes them kind of... Yeah. Also, when you have a worldview like that, it's dangerous because you think of people as the worst well, possible... I'll give
2: you an example that blew my mind. So, one of the people um who are you know they're one of the activists that go to school board means they rarely speak um their home was vandalized um you know someone spilled red paint on their car and their their house and and i don't obviously condone any of that um but this happened on uh resurrection sunday right and so you know the the posts on social media were that you know it was you know 412 cult someone did this that and the other this is what they did and and the part that got me was that that got me thinking it's like that's one of the most important days to a believer. Like for me that day, the way I spent that day, I woke up like at four in the morning. Uh, my son and his fiance, um, we went to Mount Rubido because they have the It's really cool. Uh, they have a cross that's lit up and it's a sunrise service, right? Oh, so you go great. and you hike. It was, it was a really cool experience. I'd never done it. I, I've heard of everybody doing it. And so I finally decided to do it. So that's how we started our day. You know, we go. Mount Rubidoux, we worship, you know, we do this, that. And it was a great day. Come back home, um, you know, now it's like eight, nine o'clock. Uh, pick up the family, go to church, have have food, you know, um, and then just enjoy the day. Now, for me to think like, okay, they thought that on that holy day, someone woke up and decided, hey, I'm going to go vandalize. Now, I'm not saying um, it didn't happen, but I'm just saying that any believer that that I know and I'm associated with would never ever even think about doing that I mean call it what you will but all I know is like that is a very important family day and I don't know how someone could wake up and think, hey I'm gonna go vandalize someone's home then I'm gonna go worship the Lord
0: you know what I mean like that I, doesn't make sense and I, and I think that this is something that we're finding through the podcast right and this is uh super interesting that we, that we we took this here because I hear on like our side, right? That like you're going to get doxxed and hated and this and that, right? But then recently, people on the other end because of the podcast have been reaching out and we go and we meet with them and we speak with them and, and I've heard it at every time I've met with somebody so far. Was they're concerned about the same thing and it's frustrating because it makes me... Like, we, I look at them and I'm like, bro, I know people who are like being doxxed, their companies are being harmed. And like, and like, I think this is a big reason why a lot of parents and community members who agree with us don't want to come out because they're fearful of that. But then I hear them say that, well, they hear the same thing on their side. And that that just, it just trips me out. I have an answer. What's
1: going on? I have an answer. You know what it is? Real (laughs) quick. You know what it is? Throw it out there. Their side will actually dox and put your info out and try to get your job taken they consider us harassing them that if we stand on the corner and just hold the american flag or wear the loca shirts they will say because they said it to my face i'm terrified to walk by you guys like because they're intimidated they take that as that we are being harassing and Mm -hmm. we threaten them for just standing on the corner speaking our side so they compare that as the same as see you're threatening us so
0: one of the big things that they they're still mad about, and, and I don't understand because it seems like the beginning of our argument was the firing of Jody. And you sent me an article mm-hmm. of when Jody was hired
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it infuriated me because online, this recent board meeting that they scheduled. Right. Mm-hmm. The pro recall side is saying, oh, look, they're scheduling a board meeting at eight o'clock when nobody can attend. They're not doing any community involvement. And it's and and I go online and I just push back like, where are you getting this? That's such a huge jump. I don't understand. And then you sent me the article how Jody was hired. And I thought, oh, it's because they know what happened in 2020 and they were okay with it then but now they're fearful of the three board members they don't like doing what happened in 2020 with Jody. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So, um, so in the situation with,
2: um, like the curriculum, um, the issue with the school board members was the process. Okay. And I'm going to give you a common denominator. So they didn't like the process. Well, who controls the process? Leadership does, you know what I mean? The district office controls the process. Um, now, when, when COVID hit, uh, our former superintendent, Timothy Ritter, he, he kind of, that's when he retired, and transitioning into the COVID time, the board decided that they were just going to hire and appoint Jody McClay, because she was the deputy at the time. And so we knew that um, Ritter had a year or two left. We didn't know how much time he had left, but we knew it was getting close to retirement. And when I say we, I'm talking about as a union. Uh, so we knew that that process was going to happen. Um, and we wanted a national search. We wanted to make sure that the, that it wasn't given to someone, handed off to someone within the district office. And uh, we wanted a national search because we wanted, I mean, we're the number one school district in Riverside County. So we figured, hey, uh, we're worthy of, you know, getting the best that's out there. right? Yeah,
0: someone great would want that position if you put it out there. I mean,
2: it's, you know. And here's here's one of the things that people always decry, you know, um, about leadership and and leadership is leadership in in, in Temecula. We have um, we have talent. We have talent in the classroom. We have great teachers. We have um, great students and we have great parents. So we have the recipe of success. We have great employees all over the district. Um, You know, are they treated properly and fairly? That's an argument that I always argue about leadership because uh, the way I look at it is we could be so much better. We get stuck in being good and not necessarily getting better. So so kind of like I, to- I told you about the, the textbook adoption, it was the process, right? And who was in charge of the process? Well, it was the district office, right? Same thing in the situation with the hiring of Jody McClay. Um, the union was saying, hey, the process was flawed. We wanted to be a part of the process and we weren't. It was, you know, the recommendation was made, you know, to to pass the torch on to Jody. No national search. Uh, The school board, the then former school board, approved that, right? They just said, "Hey, yeah, we're not going to do it. You know, she's the one. She knows the district. She's going to guide us through this." And and I think what a lot of people forget is her handling of the whole COVID situation is what led to these three school board members being elected, because that school board that was in place then, that handed the torch off to Jody McClay was then the same one that was uprooted because now the person that they had put in charge was the one handling the COVID situation. And the COVID situation was not very good. It was very divisive in, in, in our district. And that led to people wanting change. And that change came through
1: running for school board.
0: You say that all the time, Derek. Like, I think that's, that's an important thing. Like you say, is we need to remember how this all happened and came about.
1: Yeah, I, think, I I, really think things need to be put in context. In order to have context, you have to have the full history. So we yeah. got to go back and, you know, well, shoot, the way you're speaking, it sounds like you go back 13 years. It makes you wonder now, after everything that's said and done, was this leadership just incompetent? Or are they doing this on purpose? Because, I don't know, well, why would so, they? Well,
2: so I will say something, that, and it's funny that you use that word, because I've... um. I've said that publicly at, at, um, school board meetings and, and, we used to have, it was called the, you know, the superintendent, um, state of the, the district and it wasn't just me, but there were several people who have always said, um, who have spoken about the incompetence within the district office. And so here's one thing that you need to understand, you know, everybody that's working at the district office level, right? They were once teachers. And so sometimes, you know, once you get to the district office, it's a business, they're running a business, you know, they have they have money to spend, they have different things, personnel to hire this, that it's a business, but rarely do we ever have a business minded person running the organization, we have teachers um, who get administrative credentials, some people are not in the classroom for very long, I call them the fast trackers, they're in the classroom, maybe five years, and they go into administration, because the most money that can be made Is in middle management in public education. Mm -hmm. You know, teachers. We have a certain. We know you know how much you're going to make. But if you want to climb up and make 150, 200 grand, up to 300, being a a superintendent, it's all in middle management.
0: So we hear like fiscal responsibility a lot, right? Mm -hmm. We we like that. That seems like another thing that's always discussed. Um, But I always wonder, like, was money being spent right in the beginning, or is this just an argument? that you have right now because you don't like who's in charge. Yeah, money has always
2: been mismanaged, uh, in my opinion, within our school district. Now that, you can argue different ways about that. Um, But to me, I've seen money spent just in ways that it just blows your mind. Um, I'll give you one example. So when LCAP was being developed, right? So we had an LCAP committee, and I was on the LCAP committee because I wanted to know how the money was being spent. And so their, their, um, their response, to Hannah a used to you say, well, we're building the plane and flying it at the same time, you know, so they get this pool of money. And at the time <laughs> I remember when they got that money and it was, you know, multiple millions, um, maybe tens of millions, nine, 10, I think when it started and we kept that at about 16, 17 extra, this is extra money. And so, um, we remember that. Um, and I remember this was a union thing. They went out and they hired, I don't know how many people, like 40 people, um, with this LCAP money, right? They created the specialist model, all this other stuff. And it wasn't with union approval. So it's kind of like, wait a minute, you know, you just spent, you know, millions of dollars hiring salaries. So that means when money comes in, you know, and we want to give our teachers raises who are existing here, you just diluted the pool by hiring, you know, 40 new teachers. Are there
0: ever, are there ever any people that are on the payroll? That's like, why is that person even there? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> funny you say that. Um, so, Marianne Edwards
2: a former mayor well I remember when I was on the LCAP committee and they created I think it was a coordinator position for her Uh, I think it started at 90 base salary plus benefits or whatever and I remember like saying out loud like why are we hiring the mayor like what's you know the mayor's on the payroll now like what's going on what did
0: she get hired to do So
2: my understanding was it was like a coordinator with CTE, which is career tech ed. And she was supposed to be kind of because she was the mayor and had city ties. She was supposed to be the one that goes out into the community and like brings in, you know, relationships to get our kids that are in the in these pathways uh, out into the workforce. And then I remember thinking, like, that's why we have a superintendent. But I want to say it wasn't until maybe last year or the year before that she was finally off the payroll. So I, I from my understanding, huh. if I recall correctly, she was on the payroll for at least three years. Now, this is important. Um, in that three year period, if she was making 90 grand plus benefits, this, that, and the other, r- roughly it could be a $150,000 package. And, a you know. Year. Yeah. A year. Yeah, <laughs> so, so now we're talking three years, so now that's a half a million dollars. Yeah. And so what I would like, you know, I guess if we're being transparent and accountable, it's like, okay, how did that pay dividends? You know we spent half a million dollars on that one position show me the data you know what I mean they always have data they are so mm-hmm. data rich um, show me the data that says that was money well spent and you know if someone's listening to it and they can bring that data out fantastic now yeah. another thing too we have um, two former school board members who are also on the payroll and I mentioned this at the board meeting <laughs> uh, Lee Darling is used to be a school board member and now he I believe is in charge of transportation I don't know if he's a director coordinator but he's in, he's now working at the district office, right. Uh, in transportation. Now don't get me wrong. Lee has, um, so his job prior to that was transportation in Hemet. And I'll tell you why I know that. Um, so, and I haven't mentioned it, but I'm a school board member and, and obviously today I'm speaking completely as Steve compost, not just the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and so I, you know, I've seen him at, you know, Paris and next thing you know, he was gone. And He's being hired. I go to a board meeting and they're introducing him as our transportation person. I'm like, Hey, that's interesting. Um, Christy Rutz Robbins, Dr. Christy Rutz Robbins, former school board member. She's now a teacher, uh, at I want to say home instead, or one of those alternative, uh, new schools that are out there. And so, you know, when everybody's complaining about hire- the hiring of Nico Melendez, I kind of laugh and I'm like thinking, okay, so you're telling me that you're upset because you know, there might be a person who's very qualified for that job and we're going to argue about it. You know, we're going to say this is money that's, you know, mismanaged. Meanwhile, we have people making, you know, <laughs> some good cash um, and, and part of the expenditures. You know what I mean? So, you know, and these are the things that like, you know, people can fact check me on it. I'm not telling you anything that isn't true.
1: I'm starting yeah. to think the world's all worried about big pharma and stuff. Maybe it's the big school district mafia we need <laughs> to worry so about, funny. dude. I mean, <laughs> how powerful, Steve? I mean, really, the, the way you're making it sound, it's like a revolving door, like any industry, really, Right. Oh, hey, you got fired from here. We'll come back over here. I can kind of see that happening. People that know people and go, you yeah, know, if you're in the yeah. same camaraderie a little bit, you know, pharma does it, government does it, every, cops do it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, every, yeah, everybody kind of does sure. If you're a cop, you become a security guard with your buddy. No. Just, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 so, yeah. but, and, and but you know how what? powerful is this, like,
0: yeah, that that's a that's a good question. I, right. I think that, that Mike Pompeo like, quote, recently. like as a as a as a as a parent and, and like a lot of parents who don't know, like we think school, we think just teachers. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm understanding is there's a lot more administrators and there's a there's a there's a ladder, a success ladder within mm-hmm. the schools that I don't understand that as parents don't understand. And um Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like what about the organizations that like teachers have to be part of and like the unions and things like that? Like, how does that all work? So, um,
2: I'm learning, um, as a school board member and then as, as, as just being involved, um, titles are a lot. So a lot of people carry a lot of weight on titles. And so titles come with compensation. You know what I mean? You have a coordinator title, you know, then you have a certain status. Uh, You get to a director, you know, you now supervise coordinators and, you know, they go out. And so there's a lot of money that is running around there. Um, Personally, I think that we administratively are running very fat. We have a lot of administrators that, you know, when I see them, I'm like, whoa, like, what does that person do? Like, I don't even know what that person does. So I'll give you an example. Back in the day, we had, uh, I believe it was social welfare and attendance. uh, SW, I think is what it was. We had a, a, a director named Mike Hubbard. Mike's a good guy. So shout out to Mike. Um, he was a good guy. He was handling it one person. Um, he somehow gets moved out of that position for whatever reason. Uh, and he becomes an administrator, you know, at a middle school or an AP, something like that. Um, and then they hire two people to do his job. And I'm like thinking... Why not just Mike was doing fine. There was one of there was one Mike and now we have two, and I believe at the time and and this you know I might be off but I I believe it was Jess Caponegra and Donna Leone who were hired in that position, and so now you have two people working where you once had one, and so and, and then again so now we're talking about uh, going back to the competence thing competence thing, uh, when I was first getting involved in stuff we had obviously the assistant superintendent of HRD right. Um, They're, they're the chief compliant officer of the school district under him. He had two directors Um, because of a lot of the different complaints that have been coming through. We had to hire a third person. Um, So then we had like three people and I'm like thinking, okay, um, I think we have a problem in the organization. We're getting flooded with complaints and our response to that is to hire more people instead of dealing with the issues of complaints so if there's complaints what are the complaints and let's deal with let's reduce the complaints let's hire people to
0: make sure that we're not (laughs) expanding let's let's get rid of the complaints and let's yeah 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 i mean that makes
1: hire more people to count the complaints (laughs) yeah yeah yeah.
0: exactly we need more people to manage these these issues that are coming up forget about doing new email software
2: (laughs) well and you know what's crazy about that so here's here's another layer to that So then I, you know, if I file a complaint, instead of me dealing with, you know, whoever, you know, let's just say it was Megan at the time, um, they would then send it to legal. So now they would hire an investigative firm or someone else to now deal with the complaint. And I'm like thinking, hey, wait a minute. Now we're paying that person, you know, and an attorney to do that person's job, like
1: is this they like should... a Better Call Saul like money laundering <laughs> scam, dude? I, I mean,
2: all I'm saying is is you <laughs> saw that kind of stuff going on, and it it's probably still there. I don't know how many people now we have in um, HRD that are handling
0: complaints. I want to say last I, I recall, again, there was three. So just to kind of summarize what we've talked about, right? Because I, I just want to make sure I understand this. Mm-hmm. Because we hear a lot of the complaints about the board members and finger-pointing about how... They're mismanaging funds and this and that. That's like that. That's like the chief complaint, yeah. right? Like yeah. right now, but then they talk about all the lawsuits and things like that. But from what you're explaining, it seems like there is like, and it's it's not just the district against the teachers. There's a lot of entities involved and management involved that really isn't being sorted through, and maybe there's other issues if if we're gonna have the financial complaint that we should bring to the board yeah. to fix instead of blaming them for the issue. Because these these aren't new issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. This is a this yeah. is something that's been building, right? Yeah. So okay, so explain explain to me this. Where where does like where does the teachers union fall of all fall in all of this? Like where where do they where do they come into the picture here? Okay, so
2: let me explain some misconceptions that are out there so you have the district office you have the school board and you have the union and it's like a tripod there are three different entities um, most people on the outside will always say oh well the school board is in cahoots with the district office and in the past they have they were <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that was kind of the case and we were fighting for as a union for you know collective bargaining and, and uh, working conditions and this that and the other and so Um, things have kind of shifted now and it's one of those things Now they all operate independently. And so I'll give you kind of an example for me as a school board member. And again, I'm just speaking as me as an individual, but the way from my school board seat, you know, my concerns as a school board member are number one programs, um, make sure that the staff is happy because I know what it's like to be an unhappy staff member. So as a school board member, I want to take care of our staff classified and certificated. And I want to make sure that management is doing their role and not having a bully culture or having uh, animosity towards the the employees towards toward the bargaining units. OK, so you kind of want everybody to be working together. Um, now, obviously, there's always administrators who go rogue uh, in, in every school district. And another thing I'm going to say, every school district all has lawsuits. They all do. You know what I mean? And sometimes school districts really the way I look at it is sometimes they don't care. Because it's like monopoly money. So you have insurance, right? And so if I'm going to get sued for, I'll, I'll give you an example, like in the Hayes case. Um, she had uh, legal fees. We had legal fees. We settled. Well, when you settle, right, you pay for her legal fees and you have your legal fees. And then she might have made some money there. But guess what? Guess who pays for most of that? Insurance. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you know you don't go to trial. You avoid all that stuff. But you know nonetheless, that could have been a million dollars worth of money and maybe out of our pocket, maybe we paid 10% 20% of that mm-hmm. total cost. Cause a lot of it goes to insurance. So our insurance pays the cost. So everybody, every school district is being sued right now all over the place. And that's normal. That's kind of how business is done. Um, because there's always something going on. You know what I mean? there's, you know, we're in a litigious society. So to think that these lawsuits are like new, they're not, we've had them forever. Um, you know what? What annoys me is everybody wants to say, oh, well, they're mismanaging money, and and you know, oh, they we're paying him, you know, six hundred dollars an hour. It's like, well, have you? Do you know how much the other attorneys are making? Has anybody ever checked their
0: yeah their right. costs? You know,
2: um, but no, everybody wants to just harp on this one group, and I think that's unfair. Um, at the same time, you know, the the school board is trying to work in this and I try to tell people all the time and I told I try to tell Edgar this this is the school board that we've been waiting for for years for over a decade they really want to get school things and take care of the employees but they keep getting bombarded with a bunch of nonsense I mean you have two school board members who filed or one that filed a brown act violation and guess what big zero does anybody complain about where that money went and the money that was spent on that, no, absolutely not, because that side doesn't care about the wasteful spending there. You know, they're gonna say, oh, well, what about the CRT presentation? Well, I thought it was informative. I thought at least the community deserved to hear that part. I thought it was a good expense. Um, Now, you might say I'm biased. Well, maybe, but I'm thinking, hey, this is at least a decent expenditure. Now, in Edgar's presentation, you know, he did mention at one point, uh, because he spoke several times that night and so did I, and so um, he did mention that they don't return phone calls. You know they don't return phone calls. We try to reach out to them, and you know this, that, and the other. Well, let me back up a little bit. When the COVID situation was happening, right? And I was on the exec board at the time. Um, They, you know, everybody was, you know, oh, they're all part of the Tim Thompson cult, and I, and I, and I I, I joke about it, and but it's true. Like I don't attend four twelve. You know what I mean? But (laughs) but Tim Thompson. Hey, 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 but Tim Thompson's a friend of mine. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah am
1: I, I mistaken about what you're saying? That the old teachers' union that was maybe on your side at one time that wanted the help for themselves no, yeah. and the teachers, you're saying, like, hey, this school board could actually give us the help that us right, teachers yeah. have been wanting for 20 years and it. And at
0: one point, it was the union. You, you were saying it was the union that was, it was the school board. And the district office that kind of seemed to be pushing back on, then it was. But now the powers, the the, the dynamic is kind of shifted. It's weird, yeah. But yeah, and I, I think that's what a lot of us. When I you know if I'm a t- if I'm a parent, watch I, like I'm I've been involved. I've been going. I, I see what's going on. Yeah. But if I'm a parent that just tuned in on YouTube and then I heard the union. He's the president. The union president. Yeah. The union president say what he said. Like that would really. Throw me off, and I I don't understand what that what that was about. So I was. Well, see, and and,
2: and I'll tell you this, you know, I'm 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 a union member. You know what I mean? I I don't deny that. I think there's a lot of great things that come out of uh, being a part of the union. We have collective bargaining. We have you know working conditions, and those are great things. But going back to that, uh, going back to Edgar and kind of what happened with that whole situation. So around election time, you know, because everybody thought they were behind, you know, Tim Twelve and this cult, whatever. um, Our union decided to endorse early and I spoke up and I was just like, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. Why don't we listen to this school board, give them an opportunity once we hear everybody who's running, then let's endorse. But they decided, nope, we're cutting them off. They're, you know, they're cultists, they're this, that, and the other. And so we endorsed the other three, right? Actually four um, and three lost, right? And then one, Barclay won by maybe 25, 50 votes. But that being said, This school board was never given the opportunity to explain their heart, to explain their passion, to explain what they wanted to do. And so to me, I I thought that was a huge mistake. And then, you know, Edgar had also mentioned uh, that they don't, you know, communicate with us. And I'm like thinking, well, first of all, you didn't communicate with them. You didn't give them the opportunity to communicate with them when they were running and campaigning. So now you think that now that they won, that they owe you something like they owe you. You know, you didn't. and, And they have tried to work with them. But then you know most recently um they you know part of our organization filed a lawsuit against TVUSD, and this is unprecedented it's never happened before against the school board and tv usd now let me ask you a question do you think if you filed a lawsuit against an organization that if you call them they're going to answer you know what mm-hmm. they're going to say hey Talk to our lawyers yeah. because we're involved in a, in a legal yeah. battle now. See, I didn't, and even, that, I didn't even know that. That's- that doesn't make any sense. I, I can tell you right now. I mean, someone, you know, if I'm involved in a lawsuit, I'm not going to speak directly to something. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? You have some information that you want from me. I'll let me run it through legal and then let them get back to right. you. So the moment that we did that, we cut off all communication, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Whether the school board's willing to listen or not, that's up to them. But I think that the fact that we struck and did that, that was a poor decision. Now, another thing too. And when you say we, you're speaking as a union union TVEA, yeah. yeah. And and the other thing too is there was no survey. Usually you survey the membership. So you got to understand our our executive board is 12 members. So 12 members who are representing 1,200, 1,300. And so usually what we do is, you know, we we kind of have an idea of what we want to do. And then we say, let's take it to the membership and let's see what the membership wants. Because then you have site leaders and this, that, and the other. And then they take it to the, to the masses and they say, hey, these are our positions. And then there's either a survey or something. You gather that data and then you say, hey, this is the position we're going to take. Now, um, we can give recommendations as an exec board, you know, or, or the, the group, um, the site reps and the leadership team, can give us recommendations and then we make the final decision based on the input. But you know, when I was on exec board, we weighed heavily on what the membership thought because we didn't want to just be 12 people who were just slaying whatever and saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're the exec board. We're going to take control. Whatever we say goes, we weren't like that. We wanted to make sure that we had uh, the vote and uh, the the, the confidence of our membership. Mm -hmm. Well, in this whole process, I didn't get one survey. And I would say that we have a very, large, there's hundreds, if not half um, of our membership is conservative. Uh, maybe, maybe conservative is a bad word, but maybe um, they don't agree with the current situation. And so in order for us before we decided to do that, I think the membership should have been surveyed. And now we're kind of, you know, now we've gotten like three different communications uh, sent through email and it's frustrating some of the, the membership because it's like, Hey, who's making these decisions for us? Like we've never been surveyed. We've never been asked. We're getting all these points from the pack, right? And that pack might have six to 12 people. Um, and that just is kind of, it's it's unsettling. It's divisive. Um, I don't agree with the moves that they make, you know, so I'm never going to go up there and speak and say, hey, I'm with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to hold leadership accountable and speak against it because I don't think that the way that we went about it was the proper way of doing it.
0: as a leadership position i I, I really appreciate you coming on steve um you know we we talked about uh people we want to have on and um i i really just want to hear from the inside you know i want to hear you're you're a teacher you're a board member in another district but you've been with the union you have all this experience you know and um man i'm I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm just you' yeah. you've, you've given me a lot of information and I appreciate yeah. it. and I think that that's I think that we all need to understand the big picture because a lot of us just get spun that it's these three board members against the schools,, yeah. but there's units within the school that we really don't understand, and we never hear the battle that goes on at that level. yeah, there's a lot of moving parts for sure. Um, and you know i'm I'm one of the
2: few that speak out openly and publicly and the reason why I am is because I've been dragged through the mud I I actually feel and I try to tell people this but they, you know you have to go through it but to me it's like I'm liberated I've been dragged through the mud um, they've tried to get me on you know I've got a bogus uh, was written up for some bogus stuff and so they if they could fire me yesterday they would have mm-hmm. but the reality is is I show up every day I do my job which that's what I'm paid to do I'm paid to teach my class. Mm -hmm. What I do outside uh, publicly at school board meetings. That's my opinion. Those are my, and, and, and I've taken the retaliation. I've dealt with that. So now I don't care because I'm bringing information that's factual. So for me, I'm kind of set free and I wish more people were able to do that, but there's a process. So you can't just do that without getting dragged through the mud and then getting, you know, and it's unfortunate that we have teachers that will blast somebody, you know, in in a workroom or whatever, at a lunch, just because of their position. When I was out at the winery, when they had that recall event, I was outstanding, just standing there, right? In support of our school board members and and, uh, opposing the recall. And I I can't tell you how many teachers were yelling at me. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I'm not yelling at him. Yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, you know what? You and I are colleagues. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We've had conversations before, yet they now want to paint me as this villain. Yeah. And it's unfair and it's unfortunate. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you know what? I'm about kids. I'm about working conditions. I'm about um, letting people, I'm trying to hope, I'm hoping that I can encourage people to come out and share their experiences and their stories. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing to do that, fantastic. You know, I, I think moving forward, I'm very optimistic about where our district is heading. Uh, some people might not look at that way. and they say, oh, we're unstable. No, no, we're not. We'll never be unstable because of what I mentioned earlier we have great staff we have great students and we have great parents and a great community that supports us so there's nothing there's no instability
0: fuck we'll end it on that man Yep, I like thank you so much Steve thanks for coming on man I appreciate it appreciate the time thank you guys brother